Hello, I am Joe Rycroft. And I'm Adam Hewitt. Welcome to the Exercise Right podcast, the show where we delve deep into the world of exercise, rehabilitation and wellness. A fun, non-drab approach where Adam and I will be talking about all things exercise, physiology, health and rehabilitation, whilst debunking myths, making some complex science a lot more simple and giving you some tips and tricks to improve your health and well-being. Each week we will host guest speakers who are experts in their field and hear from you, the listener, to answer any of your questions. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. We're back, we're back into our routine. Tuesday evening routine, I like it. You know, it's been a bit funny, <laughs> hasn't it, the last couple of weeks, not having a... I know, someone's decided to have a birthday for about four weeks. I know, completely, uh, completely milked. <laughs> we didn't really talk about your birthday when we started the season three. Did you have a good time? What did you get up to? Oh, I had a lovely time, thank you. I had, so part one was a little... Um, Scotland adventure. Uh, Luke and I kayaked from Fort William to Inverness along the Great Glen Way. The Caledon. Oh God, amazing! Took us across Loch Lochy, Loch Oik, and Loch Ness. Didn't find. Did it. you see Loch Ness? No, we didn't know. But it was pretty rough. It had to. We had some good waves and uh, actually a beautiful rainbow. We had very mixed weather along Loch Ness. Um, but we kayaked over fifty kilometres that day, which was quite exciting. Oh God, um, how are your obliques and your abs? <laughs> I well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because everyone was always like, "Oh, how's your arms?" And actually, it's like mm. abs definitely, uh, definitely felt it. But no, I really enjoyed it. It was exciting to do something with um, with with less less legs. But we did run up Ben Nevis at the end just just to make sure we'd take that off. <laughs> I mean, just casually run up. Yeah, it's, quite, it's a little a bit distracted, but a good little story. So we we arrived at back at Fort William at Ben Nevis Inn, which is like a little pub at the bottom, at five p.m. on the Sunday, and they stopped serving food at eight p.m. I we, like where this story's going. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Can we do it again? So we literally like got changed really quickly, loaded ourselves up with a few snacks, and there's these bunch of guys outside the pub, and they're like. Are you going to go up Ben Nevis? We were like, yeah, we're going to give it a go. And we're like, we've got a table booked at eight, three hours, let's have it. And they were like, could not believe that we were even attending. I think they'd taken them about eight hours that day. <laughs> and they this, were- this Joe Rycroft is exactly why I rate you. Um, we did it, 2.28, up and down, bang, had a whiskey, got changed in the B&B next door, dinner at eight, happy days. <laughs> Do you know what? Absolutely amazing. So- I love it. Great time. And that, that for you is much more birthday treat than going out. Ah, oh, anytime. You know, having a big party, isn't it? Yeah. Well, part two of the celebrations, I got my uh, couple of my best friends, uh, girlfriends together, and we spent the weekend in a yurt. So <laughs> I bet that was. Fun. There was no, uh, no going out partying. That's not my vibe, but I had uh, yeah, <laughs> the adventure weekend. So yeah, top, top. Well, what a way to turn your 3 0. Oh. Happy uh, birthday. Crazy times, eh? Crazy times. But um, today, moving very swiftly on, yes. we have Emily, who probably would give you a good run for your money up Ben Nevis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Emily is uh, well on Instagram, running underscore veg, um, and a I, th- I think a really interesting insight. She's vegan, um, has done a ultra marathon, and is attempting now to do a fifth marathon. Um, and I was just really interested to go into the, to the balance between nutrition, um, being a vegan, but also just talking about multiple marathons and what that means with family life. She's a new mum and very dedicated mother as well. 
you can tell by this. So I think it's just really, really nice edge to it and um, a, a really insightful um, episode for those who are potentially, you know, maybe a few months into parenthood thinking, how do I get back into exercise? Relating a little bit to the father podcast we did last series. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're the mum and you want to listen to listen to Emily, if you're the dad, listen to mine. Um, but it's a nice one, guys. So uh, take a listen. Nice. See you on the other side. Good afternoon. And today we have Emily, who is very kindly um, forwarded the time um, nursery runs and family life to appear on our podcast today. So first and foremost, thank you so much, Emily. Um, for those who don't know, Emily is a really keen runner, uh, has completed ultra marathon and also multiple marathons for the crazy person that she is. Um, but on top of that is also, um, a, you know, an average and sort of advocate of vegan running. So um, welcome, Emily. Welcome to the Exercise Right podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I guess to kick off, I'm really interested to sort of, I guess, get your take first and foremost on what you're doing right now um, and how you're running. You know, you've completed what four marathons you said, um, and what's your plans moving forward and, and where are you going? Yeah, so um, I am an amateur as a runner, I would say, just a very, very enthusiastic one. It's kind of like how I like to describe myself. And I really do advocate for running for everybody, I think is kind of the main thing I want to get across. So, yeah, as you said, I've done one ultra and I've done four marathons and I'm actually going to start training for my fifth soon, which is Paris Marathon. Um, so yeah, that's currently what's on the cards at the moment. And as you mentioned, um, I'm also vegan, which I think some people find quite interesting um, coming from someone that runs a lot. Other people um, don't find it as interesting as in they kind of understand it a little bit more, I think. And I think um, in the running community, I have actually noticed that there are more vegans than I think kind of in the wider population I think I, I seem to find I do come across a lot of other people that are the same as me um which is really nice to I guess speak to like-minded people um but yes and I'm also a mum so I do talk quite a lot about trying to manage um I guess parenthood with running and marathon training particularly because marathon training does take up a lot of time um and I do get people often asking how do you manage to do it um so yeah that's sort of what's going on with me at the moment I guess, well, I mean, you're already leading on to one of the questions. I mean, I am a relatively new dad, um, loving fatherhood, but any sort of marathon training, this is my excuse anyway. I'm sure there's not an excuse. You're going to tell me my excuses are completely <laughs> rubbish. But my excuse is I, I just couldn't afford to go outside and for three hours doing any sort of training. Um, so how do you balance that? And how are you going to tell me to get marathon training? <laughs> 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 yeah I mean I don't think I would tell anyone to get marathon training because good. it is it's good, good. Yeah. good to know. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm not going to preach to you or to anyone that they should do a marathon if it's not something they want to do <laughs> um yeah I think um the I mean the way that I'm able to do it is that I have a very very supportive partner and I think um that's the only way that I I can do it. I think pre pre baby, it was a lot easier to go out and do those sort of three hour training runs when I wanted to do it. But now it's very much I have to factor in the rest of 
of, of us really so it's making sure that my husband basically is on board with every single long run that I do <laughs> so it's almost like I kind of have to ask his permission I feel although it's not that way um but it's just giving him a heads up that this is what I want to do and when I want to do it um but I mean realistically I do not get the training runs in that I have done for previous marathons so I did the London marathon um kind of just a year well 14 months um after I had my daughter um and that training period was it was a bit different because I was on maternity leave so I was with my daughter obviously five days a week all the time so on the weekends those three hours out were kind of like my own time but now that I'm back at work it's a little bit trickier because I want to spend more time with her so it's all about I guess trying to find a time that's suitable for all of us so whether that be when she goes down for a nap so she'll be sleeping for maybe an hour two hours and that's when I dip out um so I know I'm not going to sort of miss miss her in that bit or um I just have to get out super super early um and it really means that sometimes the training times for me are not ideal so whether that kind of the rain is happening it's really cold or I've not eaten or fueled properly but I think the flexibility that I've had to find in marathon training since having a child is probably the biggest difference between um pre having a baby like training for a marathon and then post training for a marathon um but I think it is just really just about prioritizing prioritizing it as well as you can and I think running running is the time that I have for me and that's the thing that we kind of as a family decide that that's the time that I have a way to go and to go and do that um so really that's how I do it it's just being far more flexible than maybe I, I want to be <laughs> and not doing it in ideal conditions like I would have been able to previously no I, I guess you, you're balancing work uh, motherhood family life training uh, do you follow a structure each week or or do, do you kind of have a few key sessions that you know you want to include and it's kind of when they get done is open to when you have those gaps that you just described yeah so the latter um I find it I find it very difficult to have like a routine or a structure specifically um now in terms of training I mean I work at the moment four days a week um and my daughter goes to nursery three of those days um so that means that I have kind of my lunch breaks that I can train in and I know that my that's when I do those particular runs but obviously if something comes up at work it means I can't do them um and then the evenings are much harder to fit things in because I obviously have to go and collect from nursery etc cetera, etc cetera. but the one session I do make sure I fit in every week is my run club on a Tuesday evening so that's the one evening I sort of have off and away and that's always an interval session so it's actually also the session I would never do on my own because trying to run as fast as you can over a period of an hour on phenomenal it's just it, nothing that I can do by myself I don't have that kind of motivation on a Tuesday evening without the rest of the run club so um when I'm approaching a race I have a bit more of a not really structure but a loose plan and I know the runs I want to get in and I try and do those within that week but I've had to learn to be a lot kinder just yeah kinder in terms of if I don't hit that particular session because of a work thing or because of a child thing then that's just the way it has to be um and you know I just have to accept that that is what that is whereas previously I think that probably would have like annoyed me the amount of times I have to like skip a session or change a session or adapt the timing of a session but I think parenthood in general just it, it makes you far more flexible in kind of many areas of your life and my training schedule is definitely one of those that, that that's had to come into play big time. <laughs> and you talked about running a marathon um, postpartum. Um, 
how many months were you postpartum and uh what i guess how did you you spoke about the you know leveling expectations being a bit kind to yourself it really relates into a podcast we did um, a few weeks ago actually about um training regimes and sort of new parenthood but within that sort of question what advice would you say to maybe mums and dads going through that but specifically mums in postpartum because your body's going through like such a lot what advice and what experience did you go through over that period so I ran London Marathon at 14 months postpartum Mm -hmm. um and it was it was definitely a challenge but it was a challenge that I set myself sort of on purpose um and I got in by a ballot which I kind of wasn't really expecting um but I was so yeah I was so glad that I did get get in because it gave me a challenge um and something to focus on because I think during that that postpartum when you're not feeling yourself in any way really at all and running is something that I didn't really do when I was pregnant um just because I found it too uncomfortable so kind of coming back to it having a challenge and a focus like the London marathon was just like hugely the motivation that I needed to get going to feel like me again so um it wasn't obviously it wasn't an ideal training plan I was sort of still not sleeping through the night I was still breastfeeding there are a lot of things that I had to change and adapt and again I don't well, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of my husband who's a very 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 hands-on father and loves it and is very very supportive of me and he understood that training for a marathon during that first year was possibly a bit mad but it was absolutely something that I wanted to 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 do and to achieve so I think my advice would be to for anyone sort of in that early stages of of parenthood setting some sort of challenge for yourself that makes you feel like you again is absolutely fine to do and I think some people might believe that doing something like that perhaps is not the best idea because maybe you're spending time away from your child or you're expecting too much of yourself but actually it was absolutely what I needed to have my time away, to have my headspace. Um, and it kind of gave me a really strong focus and it made me very, very happy, really like doing all that training and obviously then up to the day and actually doing the doing the event was great. Um, I think advice specifically for mums, I would say that you have to take it easy. I absolutely take it easy. Um, I saw a women's health physio at 10 weeks and then again at 18 weeks. Um, and that was absolutely the best way for me to go back into it. I, I highly recommend that to anyone who's looking to go back into such a high impact sport um, after giving birth, regardless of what kind of birth you had. Um, and she was able to then guide me on the safest way to go back back into running. And I just took it so slowly, took it so, so, so slowly. Um, and then something eventually sort of clicked and then that's when I realized that actually doing this marathon training was really, really helpful for me. Um, and I was just I was just so pleased to be able to be out again and doing it for myself. Um, it, it was it was fantastic. So, yeah, I wouldn't say to anyone to, to definitely do a marathon kind of in that first year of postpartum. But if it's something that you want to do and you feel that you can do, do it. Absolutely. Because it really brought me back to myself. Did the women's health physio give you targets on how to build distance safely and effectively through those initial uh, few months or was it more you kind of listening to your body and like you said you took it super slowly but what does that look like for um 
for other amateurs listening, what if that makes sense? Yeah, so she did give me distances or advice on running specifically in terms of how I should do it, but she told me when I shouldn't be because the first the first appointment I had, she was like, absolutely no, now is not the time. And she gave me other exercises to do in order to prep me because she knew that that was that that was what I, I wanted to get back to. Mm-hmm. So she gave me all the exercises and support to be able to run again. And I think because she knew that I'd been a runner for six years at that point previously, that it was something that I maybe could understand a bit more than she could in terms of how I was going to do it myself. Um, so she was just very, very supportive, but also very strict, which I think is what I needed because I want, I felt super, super keen. She was like, if you do this, this is a really terrible idea. Like, do not do this. <laughs> and then eventually she gave me the sign off after doing um, like some exercises, some more work around it, some more information, some more advice. And then that's when I was able to get the green light to go and do it again. And how many weeks from, I guess, that first initial assessment with the women's health physio, to was it more confidence in your own body or was it a marker of speed what 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 did click there so when I first started to run again I just found it very challenging because my fitness had also dropped when I was pregnant I didn't really run as I said I just found it too uncomfortable Mm. I was swimming and I was hiking but it's still kind of whilst it's like fantastic they're not the sport so then you know it is a bit yeah if you come back it's using different muscles different yeah it's just not quite the same as it so when I came back I couldn't run for more than two and a half kilometers without having to stop and have a breather um everything just felt a bit uncomfortable so I yeah I had to really really hold back and build up so essentially the last running event I did before I got pregnant was the ultra marathon so I I did that and then I got preg- pregnant very quickly after that. So that was kind of what my marker of my fitness was. <laughs> and then suddenly, obviously, a year after, I wasn't even able to run three kilometers. So mentally, it's very difficult when you've been somewhere and then suddenly you are somewhere just alien to you. And it felt really alien um, and kind of pushing through that felt really important, but also very challenging when you're exhausted, when you're, you know, everything in your life has changed and then this has now changed as well and what used to be something that was very familiar to me became very strange um so I think in terms of when things started to click again it was probably maybe six months after I started running that I felt comfortable and more like me again when I was running um and I think that's probably how long it took for the fitness to even begin to start coming back to anything resembling what it was previously um you you've done one ultra and you've done four marathons um what's the biggest difference apart from the obvious um and is there any sort of like well just interesting what's the biggest difference really between the two in terms of prep and i guess the, the actual experience of running an ultra i think there are two main differences that are really positive so with ultra marathon people don't ask you what your time was <laughs> <laughs> with a marathon <laughs> great answer even people that don't run them are like oh it's so true for time and i'm like yeah you don't even know yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know what a good time is but you're still asking because people expect to ask yeah. what a good time is for a marathon so which is true. Enough, you know people are curious but when you do an ultra people don't ask you they're just like wow that's a long time to run 
um which is obviously it's nice because you just finishing feels like the achievement whereas I think when you get asked what your time is for a marathon sometimes it feels like it kind of takes away the achievement a little bit but you're like but I just did a marathon like isn't isn't that enough um so I think with an ultra people don't ask you that which is really nice I think um people that run ultras are sort of far more focused on the achievement of doing the distance which is which is nice um, and also with an ultra, you're expected to like eat a lot of food throughout it. And that's also quite nice. So you can like stop and have a cereal bar. Or I know somebody that eats potatoes during ultra marathons. And, you know, so it's just it, it feels a very different sort of cult culture, I guess, between the two. Um, in terms of prep, um, I ran a marathon as a training run. <laughs> and when you look at your watch, you're like, that's mental. Like, how have I just done that as a training run? Um, but again, you take it like super, super slowly and you allow all those breaks and the time. So I think the preparation is different in terms of your expectations for your pace and your distance don't really matter. So you're not looking at your watch to see how fast you're going, um, which is nice. And it takes that kind of pressure off a little bit. Um, whereas for a marathon, obviously, a lot of the time it can be about time and speed. Um, which again seems daft when you think about it doing that over like 26.2 miles um, so I think those are probably the key differences um, in terms of preparation for me they were relatively similar I think in terms of like the more sleep the more food that sort of thing um, but I think I personally prefer marathons I think ultras are just a little bit too much <laughs> they are very very exhausting and I feel like I've kind of ticked off the bucket list and at the moment, I don't have plans to do another one. But I'm so glad I did it. I am really glad I did it. There will be another one, I'm sure. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the eating on the go. And obviously, like, food and fueling is a huge area of all running. But especially when you're going to be out for many, many hours doing an ultramarathon. What, what is your kind of go-to fueling strategy, whether that be for, you know, longer training runs right through to your ultramarathon do you have your go-to meals or, the, or snacks yeah so I have IBS which can obviously come in well it comes in to be a bit of a problem during long distance so I have to be I've, I've done a lot of trial and error with my food really and I found that um having much like low fiber foods in probably a week leading up to um a big event is the best way for me to like manage manage that. So I always used to have um, like lentil pasta filled with like beans or that kind of thing sort of the night or two nights before a marathon. And I've realized that, that that wasn't working. Like my stomach would just be very, very sore and very unhappy. So I've kind of, I kind of have to reel back on the fiber, which is quite difficult with a vegan diet. And it take and it does take planning. Um, but in terms of um, fueling during runs, I tend to use very natural products, um, gels mainly, because they're lighter on the stomach. So I use gels throughout, and I know that I take them, I tend to take them every seven kilometers, probably around a marathon. 
Um, that seems to work for me. And I do, I'm very aware that fueling is very unique, like very, very unique, but that's what seems to work for me. And then I do always have a cereal bar with me as well, in case I get peckish, <laughs> which I did at London. And I was eating a, um, I was eating a cereal bar in my last 5k of the London marathon. It's because I was just really hungry. Like <laughs> It's just a long time to be without food, but because I knew I didn't have long left, I was like, this won't impact my stomach. It's fine. So I was just like chomping away as I was running through. Um, but yeah, so in terms of my meals during the training period, I would just up carbs hugely. I just up them. Um, I have a lot of pastas. I have a lot of rice curries, that sort of thing, um, just to make sure that I'm getting getting those like those carbs in, and I make sure that I plan those in. Um, and then yeah, before the night before, um, I always tend to have rice, almost almost plain rice. Just to make sure that it doesn't impact impact my stomach um and then morning of i will have porridge again pretty plain and then i will always have some cereal bars just sort of in the few hours previous sorry yeah during the two hours that are you know ahead of it so that's that's what i tend to do um i don't know if it's the perfect way but over kind of the years that i've been doing it that seems to work for me so i do tend to stick to that now i think like you say it's can be a very individual thing so if you found a strategy that works you stick to it don't you it's uh yeah absolutely I've got another question back to kind of training and I I noticed we've, we've obviously been following you for a while and you've done a couple of posts relating to having joined the run club that you you've mentioned previously how did joining a club and doing those interval sessions on the Tuesdays you described um with a group kind of did that change training for you did it change your I guess performance as well yeah so I joined a run club yeah I joined my club in the summer I I tried I did actually try to join it earlier um but because of the time that it is it was 7 to 8 p.m it just at the time that I was at postpartum I, I just couldn't do it I was I was far too tired it just it wasn't working so I didn't go and then I came back to it and I think that was actually quite a big lesson in being in basically learning when timings and training are right for for you and at that point it wasn't and now it is um and I'm really grateful that I'm now able to do those sessions so yes yeah, so it's interval sessions mainly on a track which is um really good fun actually because I haven't been on a track really since I was a teenager so it's very fun to be back on a track uh, much easier to run on a track than it is on a road um and being around other runners is just so motivating um, and my club is really, really big. So we are split into four groups and often my group is put with the speedier group. Um, and I think to begin with, I was feeling a bit like, oh, what am I doing here? Like I'm, 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 I'm at the back of this, like, you know, blah. but then actually the more I've gone and these people have become far more inspiring rather than intimidating. Um, so I think learning that actually being towards the back of a pack is absolutely fine because it's still improving what I'm what you know what I'm doing and really it only matters what I'm doing so I think it's given me a bit of perspective um in that respect which has been really good for me and I've made some friends which is lovely people that I run with um which obviously also helps inspire me to want to to to, to turn up at 7 p.m on a Tuesday after after a day at work and a very early start um and in terms of the training and what it's done for me I hadn't really ever done interval training before because as I said, I do find it quite difficult to motivate myself to do intervals because they are, they're tough. Like they are, they're tough going. Um, Just for the listeners there who might not know 
the, the detail of what interval training is. Give us some insight on that is a bit more detail. So interval training really is where you go quickly and then you stop for a bit and then you go quickly and then you stop for a bit really and that can kind of in and the structure of that can change in terms of how fast you are going so whether you want to go your 5k pace or your 10k pace or you're kind of sprinting and for how long you're doing that or, or the distance that you're doing that um yeah and really that's just it it's going as fast as you can and then stopping and then going quickly and stopping um from a from a um sort of a Again, a listener's perspective, they might well be saying that's got nothing to do with long distance running. So what's the physiological relay and what's the positives of it and doing interval training to marathon performance? I think really it's so that you're hitting faster paces for longer periods of time, because if you want to run at a good pace during a marathon, you have to know that you can run faster than the pace that you're doing in a marathon. Um, and then it'll help you to maintain a faster pace throughout your marathon. I think that's really what the aim is. Um, so by doing, yeah, by doing interval training, it does improve your overall speed for long distance. But I do also really enjoy doing like 5Ks and 10Ks. And interval training is really, really effective for that as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the point of the interval training. And it's a type of training I hadn't done before. So I do now find that when I do something like um, do like a 5K, even just in, in the evening on my own, I do find that I'm finding quicker paces easier to hold for longer because holding a faster pace that feels faster than is natural for you, can, like, it can be painful. <laughs> and kind of getting used to that pain and being comfortable with that pain is definitely a mindset thing and interval training also helps with that. So, yeah, I think it has been very helpful for me to do those types of training, and especially do it with other people and people that are also a lot faster than me. Um, and just seeing what their commitment is, is just really inspiring. Um, perfect. I mean, absolutely perfect. I think that um, I, the reason I asked that question is a lot of, I find that a lot of time when you're speaking to people who are training for marathons, they're taking on long distances, they you're right in a lot of terms is just doing it and doing it more often is going to get you some good outcomes but the variability of things can create that crossover that people don't generally think of um on that note which i'm really interested to talk about is you speak about your ibs but also mentioned before um to myself and also on instagram about being like hypermobile and having scoliosis um on a sort of a first question point is how does that affect your running if it does at all um and do you, you incorporate resistance programs to counter the um i guess the symptoms of having the this the, um, hypermobility and scoliosis when you're running so hypermobility is probably my biggest problem the scoliosis mainly affects me uh, at night when i'm sleeping so it can affect my it can affect, it can affect my sleep and when i do the really long runs that's when my back can start hurting but anything below 20 miles my back doesn't really bother me which I guess is is really good but I think it's just the the constant impact um after that length of time is what makes it painful unfortunate that it's a mild form of scoliosis um so yeah I wouldn't again I wouldn't say that people with scoliosis should be doing long <laughs> long distance running it's just fortunately mine is mild and I am able to manage that the hypermobility is more of a problem, definitely. So I used to sprint a lot as a teenager, um, quite competitively, and I did have to stop that because I got injured in both knees. Um, and a lot of the 
and yeah that was that was I'm pretty sure that was literally mainly from just too much too too young um and people didn't really necessarily understand what my issue was they just knew I had pain in my knees but no one could find out what it was so it was only when I got a bit older when I had the diagnosis of that and then being told how I can actually help the hypermobility before it was just oh you're in pain then just don't run which is quite difficult to hear when it was something that I love doing so much so I didn't actually run from the age of or the ages of 16 through to 24 um, because my knee pain was so bad I found it hard like walking uh, it was yeah really really bad but unfortunately I had the time off and they were a lot better so when I came back to running um I used um um supports under my knees to keep the patella in place and that seems to have been absolutely like life-changing for me in terms of my running and it stops the pain and it keeps everything where it should be um but sometimes they do flare up particularly if I've forgotten to wear my supports for like a couple of sessions in a row and then it flares up and then I do have to stop for a while, like I need to take a break. Um, so mainly the pain is in my knees, but if it is painful, I stop because I think I just know the damage that it's done previously. And now that I understand what my condition is, I definitely know when to stop and to take it easy. In terms of resistance training, I used to do, I used to go to the gym a lot uh, before I had well actually pre-pandemic really and then the pandemic happened gym shut you kind of get out of the routine and then um, and then I got pregnant and I had a baby so I actually didn't gym for two years and I know that's it's it's definitely a weakness within my training is that I don't really go to the gym I've started to go back once a week when I can and I, I just do what I can I think it's just difficult and I have to prioritize and the gym just isn't just unfortunately isn't there but I know I should be doing more because I know that the stronger my muscles are the more they're able to support the issues with my tendons but I just can't at the moment I would like to and in an ideal world I would but I can't at the moment. You've obviously described there your I guess journey with um with the hypermobility and there might be people listening that perhaps have been through like long periods of injury and are looking to get back into either running or you know other sports that they're doing what would you say to them in terms of getting taking those first steps back into doing the sport that they perhaps once loved that now looks a little bit intimidating and fitness seems quite far away i think obviously always get a professional opinion um first and foremost I guess but if someone is coming back from injury hopefully they'll have known what that injury is and have the diagnosis and hopefully have had a bit of a plan from a professional um to help them get back into whatever it is they're doing but again I think it's quite similar to coming back from postpartum which is just sort of managing your expectations and just not comparing yourself to where you were I think is really important because mentally it can be very can be very hard to see to picture where you were to where you are now but ultimately that doesn't really matter now. It's sort of like you have to focus on the start of your journey at this point. And then anything that you achieve from that point is a new achievement and something to be you know, really pleased with, even if it's not what you were previously. Um, so I think it's just trying to forget where you were and learn from where you are um, and just kind of celebrate the small things perhaps and just feel positive about it and what you are achieving and just keep going, but take it slow. Just yeah, take it slow and hopefully it will it'll start coming coming together. Great advice. One one step at a time. Yeah, exactly. 
And I guess on the topic of steps and what what's next for you? You mentioned Paris, but if, if we look kind of um the next years and beyond, is there are there any other goals that you're you're wanting to achieve with your running or in or other sports? So Paris Marathon, which is in April 2024. So I will be starting my training for that. Uh, probably after Christmas so that is like the next big goal and I really I'm just interested to see to see where I am with that in comparison to how I did at London um, because obviously I'll be further on um, and I'm just really hoping that I can hopefully get a PB in that one um, so that is the next big focus and other than that I'm not really sure I find it quite difficult now to plan as much as I used to before I had a baby. <laughs> I was always such an organized plan person. And now I'm like, I don't really know what's coming next. But I think Paris is like the big focus. And that's what I'm really, really excited about. It's actually also my first, um, my first international race. Oh, so, um, and I believe it's also the Olympic course this year, um, which I think is gonna be quite iconic and really exciting. So um, yeah, I really just want to like, enjoy that as much as I can and make sure that the training I can do for it is better than it was last year obviously during that kind of messy first postpartum year so I'm hoping I can have more focus now um and yeah I'm really excited to see how that goes what a great city to run around as well I know, I know. You, if, so you said you're going to start start next year um and you're looking to get a PB it feels like the expectations are back on again where you're sort of feeling like you know within yourself you're thinking right 14 months postpartum london marathon i'm going to be kind is that competitive element back and and if it is how are you going to balance that with you know still being a very dedicated mother and parent i know it's tricky isn't it <laughs> it's very tricky to manage to manage it all i think um just because I feel like because I've done that training block now for London and I did it and I know that I can do it um, even in quite tricky circumstances. So I feel that that was like a step. So when I start training for Paris, I'm just hoping that that can be like another step kind of in that process. Um, and I think it's not going to be the perfect training plan. And I know it's not, I think, anyone that says that they can do a perfect training plan whilst having a young child is ambitious <laughs> I would say because um, it is it is very difficult so I think what I just what I need to do is I need to start thinking about a plan how I'm going to do it plan it in with my husband as we always do just to make sure that I can get those those hours in um, and just yeah I don't I don't really know to be honest I don't know what it's going to look like I'm just going to have to do a bit of a, a bit of improv. I guess that's part of the fun of it, isn't it? Um, certainly, you know, I'm a, like I said before, I'm a new dad. And part of the fun of it is that you just don't know what's coming around the corner. Um, that's the thing. Know. I haven't had a two-year-old yet. I don't know what that's going to look like and what <laughs> she's going to need. Um, I Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it is basically just accepting that this training plan is not going to look perfect, but that's fine. I want to do it still. I will, but I will obviously do it with my daughter at the forefront of my mind. You mentioned, we obviously talked a little bit about uh, family and support and how running's kind of helped you through these different, um, like big milestones in your life. You've also um, obviously built uh, an incredible community on Instagram. 
um, where you go by the name of Running Veg. Um, how has sharing your training, your story helped you um, with your running or, or has it has it helped? Yeah, it has. So I started that account just before lockdown happened and I had started it because I was going to start training for Paris Marathon, which then obviously got cancelled because of COVID. So I never got to do it, which is why I'm doing it this coming year. Um, yeah. So I started it then as sort of a way to keep myself accountable. And then I did, I had no idea how many other people were out there in that community kind of sharing it, um, sharing their own you know experiences of running and their journeys of running on there and then it just met so many like-minded people and it was fantastic and I had no idea that that community was there at all and I just I learned so much from people I learned so much about kit about fueling about events about just everything so I ran my first marathon um with just like eating three Starbursts that's all I oh wow like I didn't know you know I didn't know <laughs> I don't know I didn't collapse what flavor um, did you go for <laughs> I know I know well things they all like congealed as well which is why I can only have three in the end because oh really, yeah, I know it was it was it was a disaster in terms of fueling so things like that where you kind of learn what other people do and then you do your own sort of trial and error of experiencing sorry seeing other people's experiences is yeah it's it was it's a really good way to learn and then sort of from there um, yeah, the community grew hugely through lockdown when people became really, really into the sport because there wasn't really a lot else that you could do. Um, and people were just wanting to talk about it because there wasn't, again, much else to do. So, yeah, the community that I became a part of just grew and grew. And it was it was amazing to just kind of meet all meet all meet all these people um, that way. And then obviously after COVID, after lockdowns, these are people that I've now sort of um, become friends with. Um, in real life which is lovely um, and it's just been such a useful tool for me to learn um, from other people and be inspired by other people um, and then during my postpartum sort of comeback um, the support was just amazing and people just you know being so nice and kind um, and it was just really really helpful. I think that's where you know social media gets lots of bad press and rightfully so in lots of areas but I think that certainly from what we've done in podcasting and also the people we've spoken of there there is a genuine community vibe if you can get it if you can achieve it and I think that it, it for me I feel like it comes from the source if the source is wanting that community it comes but it's it's that sort of rebound um we have a final question and um I hope you've planned for it but um <laughs> Don't worry, you know, I'm joking. Um, so we have a bit of a tradition on the podcast where we like to ask the, the final question is music related. So what is that music track that you're putting on or the, the tune you're putting on as you're getting to that start line of a marathon? It's interesting because I do make different playlists for my different races, but there are always a few that I put on. Um, that are sort of they're always in that playlist um and sometimes I shuffle it so it maybe sometimes a surprise as to what comes on but ultimately I think the song that I love to hear the most is Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen that's got to be yeah. love it I've been most, waiting for that one to come up 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 a fantastic song. It kind of you know, I mean, the beat is amazing. I actually saw Bruce Springsteen live this summer, so oh, I'm, oh, I'm a big Brucey nice. fan. Um, and it was also one of my dad's favorite songs. And my dad passed away in 2019, so that's like a very nice song that reminds me of him as well. And he loved to run when he was younger, so it's a very sort of you know upbeat. You get to run, you know, you're able to run. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a lovely, it's a great, it's a great upbeat song, isn't it? I'm going to play choice. that immediately after we finish. Do it. You'll <laughs> want to run as fast as you can. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Honestly, it's, it's been perfect. Absolutely perfect. And so guys, like I say, we've mentioned, but running veg, running underscore veg, go and follow. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll just be following you on all your next trips and your Paris marathon will be all over it. So no, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and yeah, we'll draw it to a close, I think. Great. Lovely speaking to you. What what a great conversation. I love that. It was really good, wasn't it? Really good. I think so much more about motherhood and the balance of professional life, the determination to do something to just get something under the books after being a mum. Um, I also really, which I wasn't really expecting, but I really liked how Emily sort of broke down those initial phases postpartum and the first weeks of going into marathon running and the first sort of like taking the pressure off, just doing some movement, just going for a run and then building it into a bit more of like interval training. Um, I thought that was really good and definitely undersold herself. Not just an amateur runner. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think definitely the, those messages about just, you know, do what you, you you can do, little steps at a time. And I quite like mm. linking it to the club running that she's doing and kind of drawing on the support, mm. you know, club members and the motivation that comes to do the harder sessions that I guess inev inevitably are not needed, but certainly beneficial for things like um marathons and uh another like events so no i thought yeah a very very good and relatable episode i think to many i hope and i think we'll be releasing this episode after emily has run the royal parks but emily good luck yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh well, well we'll know how you've done it but we won't go to <laughs> but yeah. when you're listening to it you'll know that we did wish you good luck prior to the world parks yeah. um but no thanks for it. it's good loved it loved it really good one and um who have you got next week next week <laughs> who do we have next week adam is that a rhetorical question or is that just put <laughs> i just want to chuck you under the spot that's do you know honestly that's the answer i wanted that's good that's where we're at <laughs> <laughs> And on that lovely note, Thanks. we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> see you on the other side. Be the first to hear about our new episodes and find more information by following Exercise Right UK on Instagram and Facebook.